afternoon we bless you for your goodness towards us we agree with the writer who said oh get thank oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercies endures forever oh God we pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us this morning father we thank you for a house full of people a house full of your presence and a house full of your power. Father, we thank you because this is a house of encounters and that you're giving us hearts to worship you, to value you, and you're giving us a hunger for your word. And so we honor you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you take your seat, give somebody a fist bump or an elbow bump and just say it's good to be in the house of God with you. It's good to be in God's house with you. Praise the Lord. I got some goodies here. We'll see how things go. But we're grateful to God for his presence. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. Amen. Amen. Just want to remind you on Friday nights, we meet at Pentecostal Tabernacle North, 77 Columbia Street, 8 o'clock, just to wait on the Lord and see where he takes us. We call it Friday Night Encounters. And last Friday, boy, did we have a time in the Lord. Amen. God showed up. Uh, well, that's two people who were there Friday night. Thought it, I thought it deserved a better response than that. God is a good God. Amen. Daniel chapter 2, verses 10 to 20. I'm reading from the voice translation um, simply because it gives you us a better context of what's going on here. Um, the wise men said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 2, verse 10, no one on earth is able to do what the king demands. Never in history has a great and powerful king, such as yourself, asked this sort of thing of any magician, any enchanter, or any wise man. What the king requires is far too difficult for any human being. Only the gods can reveal it to the king. And they do not live among us mortals. Well, that's wrong. When the king heard their reply. He was absolutely outraged and ordered that all of these so-called wise men of Babylon be put to death. So the decree was issued, and the king's officials began to round up all of the wise men in Babylon for execution. 
officers were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends too, for they were now renowned for their wisdom. Verse 14, in Arioch, whose name means lion-like, the chief of the royal guard was searching for the wise men of Babylon to kill them. He came across Daniel, and Daniel responded to the situation shrewdly and with discretion. He responded to the situation with discretion. Could you say discretion? Amen. Daniel replied, what has happened? Why has the king issued such a harsh decree? Ariok did his best to explain the situation to Daniel. So Daniel entered the palace and asked the king to give him a little more time so that he could come back and tell the king both what the king dreamed and also what it all meant. After Daniel made his request, he returned home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what was going on. And Daniel asked them to pray. He asked them to pray. He prayed. He asked his small group to pray with him and plead for mercy so that the God of heaven might reveal his, this mystery. If Daniel and his friends could tell the king what he wanted to know, then they would not be put to death along with the other wise men in Babylon. Then, it says here one night, but it's really during that same night while they were praying. The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. So Daniel offered this blessing to the God of heaven. He said, praise the name that is the reputation of God forever and ever for all wisdom and power belong to him. And this whole chapter ends in verse 49 with everybody getting promoted and not just Daniel. I want to speak to you on the subject of small group encounters. Small group encounters. There's something powerful about gathering in small groups. There are things that God will do in small groups that he will not do with us simply being by ourselves. Can you say amen? And so when we look at this text, in chapter 1, we find that in uh, 606 B.C., Daniel is the first invasion of Babylon. And Babylon invades Jerusalem, which means the city of peace. And so you have these four teenagers at the time, uh, Daniel and uh, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, they are enjoying life and everything is going well for them. They are fantastic students, they're in the highest universities, everything's going all right, and then all of a sudden they're ripped out of Jerusalem, which means the city of peace, and they're taken to Babylon, which means confusion. It is, isn't it amazing, and, and, and so what happens is that, just so that you can see the map there, and that is uh, the, the journey from, from uh, Babylon to uh, Jerusalem, where they were in a place of peace, to Babylon was roughly about 900 miles, which uh, according to, uh, uh, I guess, measurements during that time when they when they would say, hey, this, this city is a day's journey from that city. A day's journey would mean 
a person can walk 20 miles in one day. So if you're talking about going from Jerusalem to Babylon, and this was a forced march, this wasn't voluntarily, it, it was roughly a month and a half for them to go from a pull from Jerusalem, a place of peace, to a place of confusion. And, and some of you may feel that way that, that all of a sudden your life can change just like that. Just like that. Uh, by the grace of God, uh, you know, many of us know what happened this past week with the hurricane that went through Florida. And, uh, it, and what strikes me many times is you'll see a picture of this is how this area looked before the hurricane. Are you with me? And this is how it looked after. This is how it looked yesterday, and this is how it looks today. Your life can be changed just like that. You can be ripped out of a, a, a place of peace and a place of, you know, life is going all right to being thrown in the midst of confusion. Are you following me? And I praise God what Paul wrote years later, centuries later, in, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, he says, God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace. Somehow God has the ability to bring peace in the midst of confusion. Can you say amen? Uh, we've all been in situations where one day things are going well, and just like that, our whole lives can be changed. A death, a, a, an accident. I remember a woman who my mom used to work with, lovely woman. Um, you know, she, she just went into the doctor just because she had a little pain in her right arm, and she just went to the doctor to check out the pain, and, and the doctor just like that says, you have cancer, and we have to remove not simply your arm, but your whole shoulder. And not only it's your right arm and right shoulder, but we know that you are left-handed. Her whole life changed just like that. You can have a good marriage going very well. You think everything's well, and all of a sudden, just like that, your spouse leaves you. Your life can be going well where your child is raised in the church and, and loving Jesus, and just like that, they're hooked in drugs. They're running with the wrong, wrong crowd. And so be, so be careful how you put your mouth on other people's situations. Because you have no idea how quickly their lives have turned around. And here it is, Daniel, him and his, 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 his small group from chapter one. Everything's going well. They're being promoted. Uh, they're renowned in, in, in the entire nation. And just like that, Nebuchadnezzar gets angry and wants to kill everybody. But I'm glad that Daniel's friends... It seems like these names are, are so strategic and so purposeful to remind us that we're in, when we're in small groups, when we're traveling and doing life together with, 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 a clo with close individuals, that these things can happen. What is it? Daniel's name means God is my judge or God is my decision maker. Hananiah's mean, name means the one, the Lord, 
are the one Jehovah has favored. We need, we need to have friends who have favor in their lives. <laughs> then there's Michelle, which is like Michael or Michelle, and that means who is like God or who is what God is. And of course, that's a rhetorical question. Who is like God? The answer is what? Nobody. And then Azariah means Jehovah has or the one the Lord has helped. So you have in this group a person whose decision maker is God, a person who the Lord's favor, the person who, who, who can look in their past and say, who is like the Lord? Nobody. And of course, you have finally the one who the Lord helps. This small group come together. And in verse 19, after they pray and seek God, God gives an answer, and they have what I call a small group encounter. Because if Dan, we, we know that later on Daniel's thrown in the lion's den for praying three times a day. Are you with me? So my point is, is that we know Daniel had a prayer life, and it was a disciplined prayer life. He prayed morning, noon, and night. As a matter of fact, he, he opened up the, his window to pray, and he trusted in the word of God that was given to Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, where God says, uh, and we know that scripture, if my people, that's the famous one, will call by my name, Muhammad Self will pray. But God says, if you're taken away from your land, if you will just look in the direction of where the temple is, I will bless you. So you got to understand that Daniel wasn't just opening any window. He opened the window that faced towards the temple. He is 900 miles away, Woo. yet he knows that though he is 900 miles away, God is ever close. And I, I want to say to some of you that even if you don't feel God, he is still with you. Many of us know, I think somebody referred to it in, in one of the prayer, even, uh, midnight prayer, when it, and you know the, 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 the um the uh, poem about the footsteps in the sand where the person, they saw two footsteps in the sand and they knew it was them and God and all of a sudden they saw only one, one set of footsteps. You know the story, but if you, for those of you who don't, and the person said, uh, God, I see that there's two sets of footprints, but now there's only one. Why did you leave me? And God said, I never left you. That's when I carried you. Can you tell somebody and tell somebody next to you say God will carry you because he carried me too. Tell them. God will carry you because he carried me too. I'm a bishop, I'm a pastor, trust me, I need carrying. And one of the beautiful things of having a small group, uh, a, a, a group, because look, it, you ain't going to tell everybody all your business, but you need to tell some people all your business. Oh, boy, you're going to do your <laughs> We're going to have a good time this morning, afternoon. See, God will do something in small groups that he will not do when you're by yourself. Matthew chapter 18 talks about where two or three, two of you agree on earth that touching anything that they shall have, they shall, they shall receive it from my Father in heaven. That's Matthew. I didn't quote it directly, but it's Matthew 18, verses 18 to 20. That That... When you get in a small group of agreement, Jesus says, with well, two or three are gathered in my name, I will show up. 
You need, I believe God does this because he doesn't want us having our solo acts. God, God, I like what somebody said. Uh, in, immuni- in community, there is immunity. Think about that. In community, there's immunity. Or we can learn in isolation, but we only grow in community. What do you mean? For example, as long as I'm by myself, I don't know how selfish I am. Mm. Let me talk to those of you who are married. When when I when I uh, when I was single, which was a long, long time ago, I had a full-size bed, and it was wonderful. I could just roll all over the bed, and then I got married. And no, we got a you know queen size bed. I now had to share this bed with with my wife. Somebody said, "Watch your tone now." <laughs> and hey, well, I'll talk about me because I won't say you know how it is. But uh, and you know, when you've been married as long as I have, you. You have these, what I call, imaginary boundaries. Mm, mm. All the married people are kind of saying, you better preach, sir. And, and the longer you're married, like next year I'll be married 40 years. And I, 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 it's just now within, there's like a radar where my wife like flips her arm over or she moves over. It's like, you're on my side. And, and you know, I politely... And as the weather gets colder, help me out now, when the covers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the covers, can I get a witness married for? The covers, and, and I pull them over, and, and I remember some, one time my wife said, you got all the covers. <laughs> ah, I forgot my point. No, I remember my point. <laughs> I never knew how selfish I could be until... I got married. And then I never knew how more selfish I could be until when I got children. Mm. Mm. I mean, I'm so far, I'm so glad that I'm far beyond that age where now my children are adults. But when, you, when they were children, when they were kids, I'm, I'm preaching to a brother, Jeffrey and sister Izzy. I, uh-huh. Well, I, 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 I. You know, oh, we're having a baby. Oh, you're having a baby. Oh, we're having a baby. And then when the baby's born, and, and, and after a month, the, the, new, the newness wears off. After the love is gone. <laughs> and at the midnight hour, I said at the midnight hour, when you hear a cry, <laughs> and it's not a cry from the Lord. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everybody, you know, my wife and I, will talk about us, we're kind of faking like we're sleeping, because we all, we both hear the cry. <laughs> we both see the monitor going, mm, ding, ding. but we're like, oh, you know. <sighs> Hope, I'm hoping that she gets up, and if she doesn't get the hint, then it's, <sighs> <sighs> we, we find out how selfish we are 
when there's only one candy bar. And someone says, can I have some? <laughs> someone said, no. <laughs> you got your little Skittles or your M&Ms. Can I have some? And you, can, you, you see how generous they are. So some people just give you like two. <laughs> then have the nurse say, you asked for a couple. <laughs> ah, but but we, we learn how to give and how to share and how to be unselfish selfish, and how to be loving in community, in community. And, and, and God, in that kind of community, we can have encounters with God that we may not be able to have on our own. An encounter is a meeting with a person or a thing, but in this case, we're talking about encounters with God, a meeting with God, a meeting with the Holy Spirit that's especially unexpected. God just moves at the weirdest occasion. God moves at the most unexpected times. And, and these encounters, they are face-to-face. -face. The word encounter means face-to-face -face or in opposition, meaning that, meaning that, yes, I love the fact that God says, about Moses, that Moses had a relationship that was so powerful with God that he spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. But there also says, the word encounter means opposition, meaning that sometimes our encounters are not pleasant. Sometimes our encounters, they're good, but they are also confrontational. They tell us a little bit about ourselves. Mm. You could have an encounter on the street, not on the streets so much, but in your car, driving the streets of Massachusetts. And you thought that you were a peaceful person. You thought that you were a nice person. You thought, you thought, there is a way that seems right. But let somebody catch you on the wrong day. Mm. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you. I saw you driving. <laughs> catch you on the wrong day. Because we have so many new people, I'm going to tell a story about myself. Tell your neighbor he's talking about him. Okay. And you, so bear with me, some of you. If you've been here a long time, you heard this story before. But I remember I was driving from my house, and I had, I'm not sure if the kids were young and they were in the car. They may have been in the car. All I, all I remember is me and my wife. Uh, there may have been others in the car, but I was so angry that was, I can just remember me and my wife. And, and I remember that I had the right of way. Said he had the right of way. Okay, okay. I had the right of way. And somebody, Corinne, they not only cut me off, but they looked at me. Oh Woo! Can I get a witness out there about, you know, how I feel? They, they looked at me. And, and, and you know when people give you a look, and depending on where you are, when I'm not, not where space you are, but where you are, you will fill in the blanks of what that look means. And so in this instance, now let me preach to you. 
I was going to church. It was, well, it wasn't high Sunday morning, but it was Sunday morning. And this dude looked at me like, and this is what I interpreted as, I cut you off, what you gonna do about it, punk? That, that's, that's my interpretation. And I started following him. I didn't give space to the devil. I gave him a highway. I started following him, and the more I followed him, the devil was giving me some wonderful suggestions. It was back in the day, so you know how long ago it was. You know they used to have those, um, those Lomax bars that lock your, your steering wheel? The club, the club, the club, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, the club. And the devil said to me, you have the club in your trunk. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I said to the devil, in my heart, I'm talking about me, because I know some of you are all holy. You would have just let that go and said, blessed are those who cut off from you, cut you off, for you shall be. No, I, I, I said, yes, devil, thank you for that suggestion. I didn't say that, but my mind was like, oh, it's going to be on. And my wife, Carmencita, the woman of God, was saying, Brian, stop. Brian, stop. Then she was like yelling, Brian, stop! Brian, stop! And I wasn't hearing her. But then the Holy Spirit said to me, Brian, you have on your clergy collar. And that's what caused me to stop. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you're not as nice of a spiritual guy as you thought you were. Beware of thinking that you're all that. that you quote all these scriptures. If they hit me on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. Some of you all say amen to you. Amen, God. But in your heart, say, let somebody hit me. Let somebody hit me. Please let somebody hit me. constantly test us and, and you need you need a group to go back to and say pray for me because see the scripture says let, let me pause there and talk about Daniel was a man of discretion and sometimes you need the description that no, we all need the description discre discretion 
It's my second story, discretion of the Holy Spirit. Because uh, the word discretion in discernment, it comes from two Latin words, D-I-S, which means uh, apart, and scenario, uh, or discern, which means to set. So discernment or discretion is the ability to set things apart. Now, here's our challenge. So well, we're gonna bring you all in class. We have these two items. And this is, a, what is this class? A line, a line. It is a line. And this is a what? It's an apple. What color is this? Green. What color is this? Green. Are they the same thing? No. Okay, so because one is an apple and one is lime. Okay? So we have these two things, and what am I saying is that it, most of the time it's easy, like what happened to me, to discern, to separate evil from good. I knew it was wrong to want to club that guy. And yet I was going to do it anyways. So it, we can discern good from evil. Same color, but we know it's different. But then now, we have this. What is this? And what is this? But they're two different apples. What kind of apple is this? Granny Smith. Boy, you all know your apples. And this is what? Red Delicious. Oh, so now we're, we, we have the same thing, but they're different. So we call this being able to discern good from great. Good from great. Everybody wants greatness. But sometimes good can be a close thing. Now, what is this? An apple. What is this? And this is isn't this a delicious apple? And isn't this a delicious apple? But are they the same? Oh, what's this? Red delicious, what's this? Oh. Now, because I love golden delicious apples, I can discern, even without looking, I can discern the difference between a red delicious and a golden delicious. Well, what's the difference? Well, we have here a bad choice or evil. We have here good. We have here great. But we're not, our job is not to follow simply Professor Collins's book, Good to Great. This is great, but this is God. I don't want a great choice. I want God's choice. Because sometimes a great choice looks better than God's choice. But in the end, you want God's choice. For example, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David has a desire to build God a house. That's a great desire. But yet, the prophet Nathan says to him, no, 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 you're not to build God's house, 
your son Solomon's to build God's house. In other words, you have a great desire, but God wants you to have his desire, which is to supply the supplies for your son to build the house. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to help us to discern not simply good from evil, not simply good from great, but from great to God. Because not every great choice is a God choice. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way leads to death. Let me finish up here. So Daniel, his small group caused them to, to get an encounter and to hear from God, and everybody got promoted. We see other situations in small group when, as, as I said, Esther, she hears about the fact that the king has allowed a decree to go out that will, that will cause the uh, genocide to take place with the Jewish people. And Esther said in chapter 4, we know that scripture, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to see the king. But I like the fact that Esther said, me and my handmaidens, he, me and my small group, we're going to fast. And it changed everything. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 17, he's going up to what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, but he brings his small group with him. We need to learn to take our small group, those who are traveling with us, to great places. He took Peter, James, and John to the upper room, I'm not upper room, to the mountain. But also, sometimes your small group may disappoint you. You find in Mark chapter 13, verse 32 to 34, where Jesus, he's about, the next day he is going to be crucified. In fact, I take that back. The same day he's going to be crucified. And he, he, he brings his 11 disciples with him because Judas already went to betray him. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says to the other, he says to eight of the eleven, "Hey, you dudes, stay here. Peter, James, and John, I need you to come because I need you to pray me through what I'm about to face." And you know the story; they fell asleep on him, they disappointed him, and we got to understand that sometimes our closest people, the people we depend upon, they're, they're going to disappoint us. And you can't just quit them and say, I'm going to get another group. Because even after Peter failed Jesus, he still said, my promise to you has not changed. Upon this rock, I'm still going to build my church. I'm so glad that even, in fact, Jesus said, I, I know you're going to fail me, Peter, but I'm going to keep praying for you that your faith fails not because you are supposed to reach your destiny do you have people who will walk with you even when you fail? I like the quietness because it makes us think. Who, um, let me look at the cross. See, the blood, it reaches to the highest mountain, but it flows, but I'm not flowing to the lowest valley. 
Who have you disconnected with that you used to be close with simply because of a failure? Who were you like, we were tight, and, we, and, and all of a sudden, you've allowed something to split the connection. Hmm. We have a number of ways you can get involved and connected to the church. And I say that because we're cha- our church has changed so much that we have a lot of new people, and you know, one of the ways you can find community and connect is the morning prayer. It's, a, it's, a, it's what I call a low threshold. It, it's an easy way to connect and, and travel with folks. Um, and that's at 6 o'clock. It's online, 6 a.m. Also, if you could show the, uh, the uh, image, we have what we call the well, which is Bible study on Tuesday evening, and that's 7 p.m. And again, that's online where you can travel with a group. You don't even have to show your face. <laughs> you, you, in fact, you can just call in. But it's a way to connect. And I, what I've discovered is that first, a lot of people, they're new, so they come in incognito. And then next thing you know, they're like, oh, I'm feeling a little more comfortable. The relationship's growing. So now they, they show their image. And next thing you know, they're willing to break up into small groups. And then they begin to pour out their hearts. Let me close with this. I want to show you a picture. I think, is there an image of a cracked road? Hopefully you can show that image, and then I can, yeah. It's a cracked road. It's a broken road. I believe that one of the reasons why many of us are not being healed is because we haven't found our tribe or we haven't obeyed the Holy Spirit to get amongst a group of people who you can confess your faults to. See, a fault is a broken area. And James says in James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You... you, I believe the reason why many of us are not getting healed emotionally the way God wants to heal us is because we keep covering up our faults. You know, uh, we who live in New England, what will happen many times is that when there's potholes, They come and they keep filling the potholes and then next thing you know, the hole is exposed and they fill it. And in your mind, you're saying, really the whole road needs to be taken up. (laughs) I believe we're entering into a season where God is saying, I want to heal the faults in your life. 
I want to heal the broken areas of your life. But you need to find a people that you can be open with and confess the fault so that people can pray for the broken area. When I was growing up, people used to say, hey, anybody need prayer, please stand up. And they would stand up. And I don't know if you came from this background, but people would stand up. What do you want, to, what do you want us to pray for? Unspoken requests. <laughs> anybody, raise your hand if you came from, oh, unspoken requests. Unspoken, well then how do we know what to pray for, and how will we know if it was answered if it's unspoken? Where the scriptures constantly say, the Lord heard my cry. He God said, what are you doing? It's an unspoken cry. I'm going to tell you a story, and then we're going to conclude. And for some of you, this, this will bother you because you're very religious, but that's okay. Because our conference, this, this, at the end of this month, our church conference is going to be how do we become an emotionally, spiritually healthy church? Because what I am finding with Christians is that many of them call themselves mature Christians, but they are unhealthy spiritually when it comes to their emotions. There is a wonderful, wonderful um, pool that I love and, you know, to walk around, and if you've ever been at the Christian, have you ever been at the Christian Science on, uh, down by the, the Mass Ave? And that's an amazing pool. I mean, it, it may be a good football length. The problem is, is that, I'll, I'll just exaggerate, it's a mile wide and a foot deep. And that's what many Christians are like. They could quote all these scriptures, but emotionally they are unhealthy because they never confess their fault. They never, they don't have a group to, to safely say, I'm angry. They don't have a group who can say, no, I don't want to bless the Lord today. I am ticked off. I was, I'm going to close with this story, the true story. And some of you, if you've been with me long enough, you heard it. One of the most broken people in the Christian world are pastors. And Pastors, many pastors are, are, are unhealthy emotionally in their spiritual walk because they just refuse to find a, 
Some of them refuse and some of them cannot find safe space to just say, this is where I'm struggling. Because after all, I'm the guy who gets paid to have a perfect marriage. I'm the guy who gets paid to have perfect children who love Jesus and who always, you know, they, they, they're, not, they're little angels and, and they're, they're always doing what's right. And, and, and so the, 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 the thing that we as pastors fear most is shame. And so we hide our marital struggles and we hide our children problems and we even hide maybe our own personal addictions. So I was in a pastor's group, true story. And we, group of pastors, we were, we've been running together for a while. And it had to be something around like Pastor's Appreciation Month, which is this month, because there was a catered meal waiting for us. And we were sitting around a table, about 10 of us. So we went around the table. How are you doing, Joe? How are you doing? How are you doing? Everybody's, you know, they're sharing about church and things are going well. And this one pastor, when we got to how you're doing, no lie, he said, I am sick of these, and he dropped an F-bomb people. I'll never forget me, the speaker at the end of my Bishop Larry Ward. We looked at each other and we went. He didn't drop a faith bomb. And we, we just looked, we didn't know what to do with that. And my, the religious part of me was like, I can't believe a pastor would say that word and then in a church and amongst other pastors. And so I started speaking in tongues. He did a both said to, no, I did not. <laughs> and I had an encounter with the Lord in the midst of an F-bomb. And the Lord said to me, you ought to be grateful that he felt comfortable enough to trust you to express how he felt. I know this is going to bother some of you, but I did not think any different of him. After he dropped that F-bomb, than before. Because I understood the, the pressures of being a pastor can cause, we have seen what have caused many pastors to do. And because they had no place to go, let me tell you something. You're going to leak whether you want to or not. Am I telling you? You're going to leak. Trust me, people who have fallen greatly, how could that happen? They were leaking for a long time, but they had nobody to pour it out to. And so I want to encourage you, get connected. I want to encourage you, 
to find a tribe, find a people who you can be honest with and watch them pray for you and pray with you. And I walked with that pastor because I knew the stress. I want to pause right here because I want to, I want to celebrate my small group. Can I celebrate my small group? My small group. I'm gonna ask the elders if you will come up right now. This month is Clergy Appreciation Month and I want my elders to come up. Can we give them a hand? I'm going to add one more person to come up, even though they're not part of this group. I just admire that person so much, and they've been a blessing to me um, when I need some advice. Uh, I'm going to ask, uh, been doing this, person been doing this for well over 40 years. I'm going to ask uh, Reverend Jeff Bonison to come as well. Some of you don't know this, but uh, Jeff is a chaplain at Harvard University, particularly the law school, and he's been an amazing blessing to our church, but to Harvard. Harvard needs men of God on that campus, and so God bless you, Amen. Jeff. I, now, I say that to say this. Um, uh, this week, well, let me take a little time here so you can get the context of it. Um, that's right, let's stand there. Uh, my, my cousin, uh, Keith Donaldson, he's Yolanda's uncle. He was in the Air Force, and, um, and so uh, when Carmen and I were on vacation, we were in Hawaii, His station, he was stationed at Pearl Harbor, and he took us to Pearl Harbor, and just a wonderful time, and then he gave us this thing called a uh, challenge coin. And what a challenge coin is, is basically it's a, it's a, it's a custom-made coin that's for somebody who's in the armed services or someone who's in law enforcement. And the coin is given for a couple of reasons. Either A, and this is why he gave it to me, is when somebody visits, it, visits a army base or air force base, uh, the person who they visit, usually an officer will give them a challenge coin to say, hey, we appreciate your visiting. Or, or it would be 
a commander or officer will give it to somebody because they achieved something great. They, they, did, they went above and beyond. And so when I was leaving, he gave me a, this beautiful coin. I was like, oh my goodness. He said, yeah, we, this is what we do. And usually you can get it. The, the Marines have their own coins. The, 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 uh, of course, uh, you probably, I imagine you must have received a coin yourself in the Navy. I imagine maybe you didn't. But, um, but, they're, they're, but they're different coins. And so when I've been a chaplain for Cambridge Police Office, police for nine years, and the Cambridge police, uh, they said, hey, do you chaplains want your own challenge coin? And I was like, yeah, me and Pastor Larry uh, Kim and Pastor Lane Thornhill. And so they said, you can design your own coin. And so uh, this week, we got our coins, and of course, the front of it has you know, the Cambridge Police Department, but on the back, we get to design our own, and so we said there definitely has to be a cross on it, but we also put, may the Lord bless you and protect you, and we wrote Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26, and so we, we just got our own personal challenge coins, and I was saying, God, who could I give a challenge coin to first. And the Lord said, give it to the elders. And so what I want to, at this time, give all of you our own personal challenge coin. Some of them got it this morning, but thank you so much for serving. You have been, you have been a blessing. And you know, it's just my way of saying to all of you, you are my small group, and there's some things I've been carrying, uh, especially this year, and I'm grateful to you, uh, yeah, for allowing me to bear my faults to you. So God bless you. Could you give them a hand? Thank you. all stand, I want to give a closing blessing to those, all of you, and those of you online, just uh, stick out your hand, and, and, um, and then after I give the blessing, if those of you want prayer, there'll be a couple of elders assigned up here to pray for you, so feel free. And I'm going to give you the blessing that I wrote on the coin, uh, that we wrote on coins based on Numbers chapter 4. 6 verse 24 to 26. Those of you online, please, we want to bless you as well. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face to shine, grin, and beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, gracious, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success. And may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for all your lives. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. Have an amazing week. God bless you.
Hey family, thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.